Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 45 of the Indie 11 podcast hosted by Brendan Griffiths. Today's episode features a well-traveled player originating in Spain, making his way over to the States, playing for a couple of different professional teams in the United States, as well as over in Iceland. And he shares with us his story today, his vast experience in the professional game, what it takes to get to the professional level and stay there, which is much easier said than it is done. Sito Seawane jumps into the 11 today and shares with us a wealth of knowledge that he has fostered over the last nine, 10 years of his, of his soccer career. So definitely don't miss out on this one. Stay tuned for a great interview. As I've mentioned in the past few episodes, make sure to help support the podcast by if you would like to get a jersey, if you'd like to get a fresh kit from Mystery Sport, go ahead and check them out using the link down below. Use code in the 11 at checkout and also become a patron of the podcast with in the 11's new Patreon account. A lot of good stuff for you guys over there and it helps the show grow and helps the show keep pumping out this content for you guys. So I've said it many times before. Thank you so much for your continued support. Thank you so much for tuning into these episodes week in and week out. It means quite a bit to me to have you guys along with the, along the journey with me. Um, and without further ado, let's kick it on over to myself. and Cito. All right, we are joined by Sito Seoane. Thank you so much for popping on the podcast with us today. He has an extensive professional playing career that I can't wait to dive into and have him share his story with us today. And I have to ask my friend, as someone who grew up in Spain with with beautiful Spanish weather, did you ever imagine one day that you would be venturing to to Iceland to play football? Uh, first, I want to start by thanking you for having me on the on the podcast. It's it's a pleasure to be here. And answering to that question, like I've never imagined that I would even leave Spain in the first place. It was like many years ago. To be exact, it was like nine years ago. It came the opportunity to go overseas, to go back to to America, which is the place that I was born and. And yeah, I mean, I've never imagined, even when I was in America, I've never imagined uh, that I would be in Iceland and play there. Uh, and now it's been like over four seasons that I've played in total in Iceland. And I mean, it's a place that now I feel really good to be in. But yeah, no, nah, I've never imagined to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to that first time when you were talking about going over to the United States what because I know there's a lot of foreign players that choose the to come to the United States to go to university and to play what made you choose that as the next step for you when you were playing um, in different teams over in Spain what made you decide to to take that jump I mean uh, at that time uh, I was in a I was 20, 22, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I was 22. <clears throat> and I mean, I had options. I, I was, uh, I had a contract here and I was earning not great money, but I was earning uh, enough money to make a living based on where I'm from. And a lot of opportunities came. Like my last season here in Spain, it was like, it was probably my best uh, until until then. So that got a, a lot of a, a lot of attention overseas, and I mean it was it was an easy decision for me. I've always wanted to to explore other options at that time, and and I mean the opportunity came, and uh, it, it was a really good opportunity on the first place, and I just I just had to take it, even though I felt that at the time I was saying no to break into the really professional level here in Spain which is mm-hmm. the first uh, two leagues and at the time I was battling between the third and the fourth like Pierre and I mean 
I knew I was going to have a chance even if I would stay here. But I also knew that if I didn't get and take this opportunity to go overseas, like maybe that chance wouldn't, it wouldn't have come uh, after, you know? So it, it was an easy decision, to be honest. I think that's interesting because I know there's some players who, when they come from Europe, they come to America maybe because they aren't breaking into their first team with their club, you know, or, or they don't have professional opportunity yet. So they choose to come to America to try and maybe get an American contract or try and, you know, raise their name a little bit. But it seems like you kind of were, you were doing well, having success in Spain, but decided, I want to also see what other opportunities are out there. I want to, you know, I've been in Spain for a while. Let me try and see what else is out there besides just what's locally. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, you said it the way it was at the time. <clears throat> I had, for me, it's always been a matter of like, okay, am I comfortable here? Yeah, or like, am I being treated the right way? And also the question at the time was like, look, I've always, if it doesn't work out in a year or in two years, I've always have at least where I'm going to, where I was at the time. So for me, that was the, that was the dilemma in my in my head, you know. So that's why it was a really easy decision. I said no to other opportunities here in Spain. That uh, they were like uh, at the time it was a team that it was in the in second B, which is the third tier in Spain, and they ended up a few years later going to La Liga B and everything. And it's always in the back of your head, like, oh, what if I if I would have yeah. stayed and I would have, but now. Looking back, but uh, everything that has come out of making that decision, it's it's all positives, you know. Like I, I managed to to finish uh, my my bachelor's degree, and now I'm in my second master's degree. So all these things they 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 would never come if I would stay in Spain, and and for me it's always uh, something that okay, what if what if? But at the end of the day, like. It's a lot of positives, and I and I always said this, especially here in the media in Spain, for many young players that maybe they're not having the chance to break in, or maybe they were like me, like battling, and having a contract, but uh, mm, yeah, you don't know like if you're gonna make it or not, and like what's the next step? You you have that uncertainty. I always say like go for it, go for it, go for the change at least. Okay, if it doesn't work out, at least you know you will come back and still be playing for, for the same contracts that I was playing at the time. And and I mean, I've never I've had the chance, especially the last seven years, to come back and play in, in second B and, and in interesting projects. But I mean, there's always uh, better contract opportunities overseas at least for me at uh, all these years and even now like i i still have a contract for another year and a half and it's it's something that okay i've always wanted to maybe come back and try it and see how it goes but i mean year after year it's um it's been it's been like this and i mean i'm happy with the with that decision yeah, I think you brought up such an interesting point that I know a lot of footballers that I've spoken to feel similar is, especially with how many opportunities come and go, you, you can't really look at look back at something and say, oh, well, what if I had stayed there? You know, you just mm-hmm. have to kind of trust whatever decision you make and, and go forward and understand if I hadn't made this decision, I wouldn't have had all these great things come my way. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to get your bachelor's degree and your master's degree as well, which is maybe something different from football, but it's still an amazing accomplishment. And sure, we can all look at, oh, if I had made this one decision, maybe something else would have been different. But if you do that, then it will just, it will eat you up. It will make it so difficult to to make decisions for yourself. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, my my lemma or like my, my motto, it's always been like, and anything you do, just go for it and 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 believe. Believe that it's going to work out. Whether it does or not, that's another question. There's a lot of things that uh, and aspects of 
the daily basis that you cannot control. So, but always go with that belief and, and, and always say like, hey, I'm going to make it. It's going to happen. If it doesn't, okay, at least you prepare and you went with the right mentality to get it done. And that's why, that's always been the, the way I approach things. Even now at 32, uh, like we don't start in Iceland the preseason until uh, late January. And and the main season starts in April. But like for me, I'm already preparing now. Mm. So when the time comes, I'm like, okay, if it goes well or, or, or I play more or I play less or I score more goals than I want to or less, at least I made the right thing and, the, and I took the right steps to get there. And I think that's always been, especially with me, a little bit the, the separation of uh, many players that I've played with that had way more talent than me, uh, way more athletic. And, but at the end of the day, like based on that fact, because I knew my limitations and I knew the things I had to do, it, it's always been. And year after year, I've been getting opportunities. I've been getting contracts. And I'm really thankful for that because like, Obviously, uh, you have to work for it, but uh, I mean, you have to be thankful, you know, for for being in there in in that place. Yeah. So I'm interested. I had had this question for you that it sounds to me as if your your work ethic, but also your belief in yourself has been something that's allowed you to, as you said, get opportunity after opportunity. And and what do you feel like in, in I'm sure you've played with hundreds of players now from all over the world and, and very talented players. What do you feel like you see as what are some things that players that play at the highest level always have, you know, cause you mentioned there's players that we all know who maybe have been more talented, but haven't made it to, to a high level. And, and you've probably seen that at the professional, the amateur level, the semi-professional level. So what did you say? What's something that you always see in a, in a professional player? I think is the mentality. It's the mentality. Uh, when I say mentality, I mean like, okay, this type of players. And even when I was not professional, I always looked at this. And I had a coach that uh, at the time he's coaching in La Liga B now. And he always said to me, if you want to be professional, you need to be professional before mm. you are or before you become professional. And mentality, it's, Work ethic is like uh, not complaining uh, if if I don't get the minutes I want. Not complaining if I don't play in the position I want. Or, or better said, don't let things that affect you maybe in a short time, but let it affect you for a short time, put it away, keep working. And I think the biggest difference is mentality because I've played even... Um, and I've seen, I've come every year here to Spain for like two months or three months. And I'll go watch games in the third division, fourth division. And there's talented, talented, talented players. And, and I always say like, oh my God, you could be making really good money if you go abroad. But there's there always comes the thing, oh yeah, but uh, his head is, is not in the right place. So like, so... Mentality is like controlling what's in here and then prepare for, for making the best out of it. But I think, like I said, the best thing that a really good professional always has is it's his head. Mm. You know, obviously prepar- preparation and training and everything. You go to a team and in a matter of two or three weeks, they will put you in shape. But yeah. in two or three weeks, they will not fix if something's wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Have you ever had, I'm sure you have, but can you give us an example of a, maybe an experience or a time in your career where, you know, there was a, a moment where you felt challenged or tested in that way? Maybe, you know, you felt like you should be in the team the way you're performing and weren't, or maybe you were searching for a contract and it wasn't coming or the right contract wasn't coming. Is there an example that you could give us of a time when you felt like that mentality of yours was kind of tested and, and pushed. I think the very first moment, it was in 2014. <clears throat> At the time I was, uh, it was after three months, I was with the Houston Dynamo. And, and I mean, I had, I had been told already by my agent that 
I mean, we had signed this contract that at the time they had discovery claim contract. So basically it's like they own you, they pay you every day and they could cut you at any time and you cannot play for another team for a period of time. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I was like, I was excited. It was the year after we finished in Austin. We won the whole thing in USL in Austin. And I mean, I just went and got the opportunity. And in this moment, I got really tested because all of a sudden I was playing with players that uh, like then they went and played with the like the World Cup and, and everything. And then they signed the Marcus Beardley and then uh, it was like a matter of a week and a half that I knew I was doing on on my eyes. I was doing well in terms of like competing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was higher level than I I had I was before. But at that time, I got really tested. Then uh, they cut me. Uh, obviously, they had to release two players. And at the time, they always go to the two uh, lowest in, in terms of salary. So at that time, it got it was a huge test for me. Not only because like I was doing, I was doing well and I was busting my ass. Sorry for that, but no, I was working really, really, and extremely hard for that. And and then I had to put things in, in into perspective. But then once again, I focused on that anger for like a little bit, and then I got back on track. The fact that I was there in Houston allowed me to finish my education in Southern New Hampshire University, and and then I went to Denmark and and yeah, I think that was the first moment that this happened. And and another example was also in Ottawa before I left back to Iceland. That I was I was probably at my peak in my career, if you want to say I was twenty eight, and. I knew I wasn't playing because the not because I wasn't doing enough to play, but you know the politics in football sometimes when they want to bring a player, mm-hmm. they always go and look. Okay, uh, at the time uh, I was in a decent contract there, so they always go to ask the coach who do you think he should go, and I mean I was the one, <laughs> and it got it got tested because for that month and a half that I was. I said, like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then it can, it, it didn't happen. But I mean, I think those two moments really define my, my, I got tested. Yeah. Yeah. And because for some players, as you mentioned before, for some players, that's where they get in those situations and they can't make their way out of it. You know, when a, they feel mm-hmm. like if a coach isn't, picking them they take it personally and they allow it to affect them and they, and they can't go forward and and push on and it's true there's there's so many reasons in football why things might not work out and it's funny it almost seems like so few of them are actually in your control you know there's so many things that mm-hmm. are a reason why you don't get a contract or a reason why you aren't playing that almost don't have anything to do with you so once you can separate those and understand like you mentioned before I can only control what what I can control and what I do every day then hopefully it becomes a little bit easier (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I mean I think the best thing to 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 like for me to to say it's once you separate all those things and I've I've noticed that especially this last year in Iceland it was probably my best season in Iceland and I was constantly <clears throat> uh, saying to myself, like, okay, don't let that affect you. Put it out. Mm. Don't, let, uh, you know, like, and sometimes as players and as human beings, we put faith on people, you know, and like, uh, and maybe you put faith in this case in the coach. And then one yeah. decision that the coach does that you don't like, then it's, it becomes personal and then therefore affects you more than it should. And I think that's the best way for me to to say it to myself. Obviously, uh, it's hard to maybe to explain it sometimes to to young players that are trying to make it out. Mm. But I think once you start start to give any uh, importance to all these little things, 
then you your performances are going to get better you're going to be better you're going to feel happier and i know it sounds bad but sometimes i'm like i don't care you know i can i control it no i don't care yeah because at then at the end of the day sometimes it's, it's like these things they're going to end up the way they're supposed to do i have some effect on it right now no out and i think that's uh that's what's been helping especially for this this last season that we just played and yeah yeah <laughs> and and in a career like this you have to you have to be able to do that it's it's one of the the best careers to have but at times it can be one of the most frustrating so if you can't mm-hmm. you can't get to that point then it it becomes difficult for you as a player um so let's go a little bit and kind of give the give the listeners your your story and some of the places that you've played so when you first left spain you came to texas right for your first college that you played at yeah the thing is that uh, at the time i had an opportunity to play for austin and basically in austin uh, like the name of the coach is paul dalglis he's coaching currently in miami mm-hmm. and so the opportunity came and then obviously I needed to learn English and then I I had some contacts to go to St. Jack at the time they had soccer program. So basically it was like I got the scholarship and I got everything just to learn English. Like like I mentioned before, I've never studied before. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just went there and, and I mean tried to learn the language, uh, prepare myself for the for the season with, with Austin, which didn't start until uh, 2013. It was a good, a good opportunity uh, because it opened up that chance for me to to get an education, and also because like I I always knew I was doing that because I, I was gonna go to Austin, play for them, and then try to make my way to MLS and then mm. back to Europe. That was always my 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 thinking. Yeah, and. And I mean, it kind of worked out. Then uh, I, I was in San Jack for, in 2012. Then I went to Austin Aztecs in 2013. And after that season, uh, MLS didn't start until January. So I went back to San Jack. And then in the beginning of 2014, I started with, uh, with Houston Dynamo. And like I mentioned before, after three months, uh, things didn't work out with them. And they wanted to send me to Pittsburgh, which at the time was the USL affiliate. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that because uh, at the time I was like, okay, maybe I could get an education. And if I go play USL, which I was really thankful for the opportunity, but putting things into perspective, it was like, okay, I'll go uh, Southern New Hampshire. It was at the time signing the contract that uh, MLS players Will study for free mm. or like for a minimum a, a percentage of your salary so i applied for that and then <laughs> i ended up going up north which it was really really cold yeah <laughs> and <laughs> colder than iceland i'll tell you that much <laughs> colder than iceland wow colder than iceland yeah and then uh i went there because i knew i i had a team in uh, in denmark interested in in, in bringing me over and then, yeah, a few months after I went to Denmark, I signed with this team called Skive. And then they had some uh, financial problems. And right after that, <clears throat> my agent said, like, look, yeah, they're having a lot of uh, problems financially. I don't know if you're going to get your money. And I have this offer in Iceland. And I said, like, oh, my God, Iceland, do they have, do they have a league in there? Do they have football there? <laughs> uh, yeah. And he said, yeah, like, look, they, they're willing to, to match your salary. They want you to fly tomorrow. We could get out of your contract even today. We want to hear. And I think it's a good opportunity because like, I mean, I don't want to have you in a team at the time. Skive was in the second tier mm-hmm. and they were fighting to not go down. So, so I just hopped on a plane, went to Iceland and. And that was my first time in Iceland in 2015, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, the summer of 2015. 
and everything went well. After that, I played for another team in Iceland. And after that, Paul Dalglish was in Ottawa, coaching the NASL team at the time. And he called me, and I mean, every time he, he's called me, and I've always gone and, and played for him. He's He's been sort of like the influence person that has affected my career in a good way. You know, like he, he brought me there in the first place in Austin, then brought me again in, in, into Houston because he was uh, working with them, then to Ottawa. So I, I always mention in this podcast and, and every time I talk about my, my career that he's had like a really big influence in my, in, in my development as, as a professional. And then after, after that, Jesus, yeah, it's been a few years. After that, I went back to Iceland uh, mm. for a bit over half a season. And things went really well. It was a team that I was feeling really happy. I had a really good coach at the time over there as well. And, and yeah. And after that, back to Chattanooga. In Tennessee, things went well, but it was a brand new team, and obviously they were still trying to figure it out between players, coaches, and this and that. But I mean, I felt really good in Chattanooga, even though sometimes as a player, it's really important that the structure is based as a team. Mm-hmm. And at the time, because it was, you know, you know, in the United States. There's a lot of brand new teams and, and it takes a while. But now, like, if you look at Chattanooga, they're doing really well and which I'm really, I'm really happy for them. And after that, uh, yeah, me and Chattanooga, we decided to part ways mm-hmm. uh, after my first year. Uh, like I mentioned, changes of coaches, coaches come with new players and, and I totally under, understood that and went back to my first team in Iceland which I've been there now for like two years and which is IVV and I mean I'm really comfortable there it's a team that uh, the the people from the from the island they're, they're really nice they treat you really well and and yeah I'm there I think I've said it yeah that, that's been my nine nine years that's crazy yeah that looks like it covers most of the most of the research that I've seen. I thought that was interesting too, how you came back now almost full circle and are at the same team that you kind of almost first kicked off your professional career with. I know obviously you had opportunities in in the States before that, but the you mentioned the the coach that has had a huge influence on you. What is I cause I feel like every player always they can kind of point to one, you know, that whether it was in youth mm-hmm. that really helped them develop or whether it was in the professional game, what is it for you about a coach that stands out that you love to play for them? Or what is it that made you feel like he, you know, furthered your development that much as a player? I think, uh, I mean, I've had really good coaches. I, I, I've been so thankful and lucky that I've had, even in my years here in Spain, I had, really really good coaches and 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 the thing is like i mentioned i've had the i've been lucky enough to have really good coaches through throughout the years here even here in spain and they're coaching now the high level these coaches but uh, paul had something that even though we didn't agree many times maybe in his ways to to do things but he was always honest and he always told you what he wanted from you. Mm. And also he showed me that I needed to take things a bit to the extreme to try to separate myself or to try to cover the gap with more talented players and more athletic players. And that for me was a huge thing because when you're young, sometimes you think, okay, the belief in yourself is there, but Sometimes you underestimate all uh, the competition. So he, he really made me change that. And, and I mean, I've played for him for a few teams and everything. And so, and, and every time the opportunity has come with him, it's, 
after a period of time that maybe I needed a change or maybe I was looking for something new. And that's why I think uh, he's been a really, really good influence for, for my development. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In the 11 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball, but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild, and we got to change that here, and Manscaped's going to help you do that. So, first off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming, and that is because... Of their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400k LED spotlight. So no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower. You've got the light as well. Easy. And you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that weed whacker, the Manscaped weed whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin safe technology, which is going to help reduce with nicks snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pre-game rituals, you've got post-game rituals, a recovery routine that you do after, right? Hopping in an ice bath, whatever it is, you have to add your below-the-waist care to that. You've got to take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't want to be playing 90 minutes, and then you come in, and you're sweaty and disgusting, and you're not taking care of yourself. you got you got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows? Maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play. You know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal. I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped boxer briefs and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N, at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Mm. Mm. So, and he was your coach when you were in, first in Austin and then in Ottawa as well, right? So he kind of had different yeah. different points of your career as well. What do you feel like was the biggest jump that you made from when you were kind of playing at the college level to then playing with Austin and then that first jump when you made to the professional game, what did that, what was the biggest difference that you noticed or what did you have to adjust to? I think the tempo, the tempo, because everyone is fit as a, yeah. <laughs> as a horse. And then the simplicity. I always say this to, to players that are trying to, that are getting their first chances to play at, uh, some good level keep it simple when you watch the higher you watch in terms of level you see that at 85 90 percent of the players they receive the ball they pass they receive the ball they pass they only do one v ones when it's really obvious or they only dribble when there's no other choice and i say that i say those two things the physicality in terms of tempo and the simplicity Everyone knows their role, 
if if the coach tells me, okay, I want you to receive the ball here and I want you to keep it simple. Those are the things that uh, that surprise me the most because when you are playing at that level, especially at the college level or semi-pro level, uh, you see players dribbling, 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 mm. taking on two or three players. But when you go to the higher level, that's not going to be an option. So I'd say adjusting to maybe doing a bit too much to just doing my role. Yeah. I I completely agree with that. I think it was one of the biggest things that I noticed. And I wonder too, if it's also the way that United States fans and coaches look at the game um, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there are so many players, especially with me growing up in the States that think they need to, to dribble and do flashy things and hit the longest pass that they see. Um, and then when I went in and I played in a place like Germany, it was all the simple things. If you can do them really consistently, right. Take a good first touch and play a pass. And you do that for 90 minutes. Those types of things are appreciated and valued by clubs. And you see that in a lot of different places all over Europe, but I think it's starting to change in the United States. We're starting to grow and, and understand the game, maybe at a little bit of a higher level. Uh, because before, you know, just players that do simple players that defend and that just pass the ball and move it, they, you know, they, they weren't as exciting. They weren't, they weren't as Mm -hmm. fun to watch on TV. So it's, it's very interesting. I agree with what you said. Yeah. I mean, you said it right. You've, you've played in many, many places. You've been in Europe and you've seen uh, how it's, going to a new place or going to a different level, even if it's higher level. And like, you need to keep it, you need to keep it simple. You know, Mm -hmm. like sometimes I always say this to the young players that are trying to break in into the first team, especially now in in Iceland, which we have a few good prospects. I say, keep it simple, especially the first three, four times that you get the ball, play where the ball comes. I don't care if it is a negative pass. I don't care if it doesn't look good. But that's going to give you the confidence. So you earn the right to grow into the role that you want to be. Mm. And, and I mean, it. you see how they step up, one, but obviously with young players. or It doesn't necessarily mean young players. Like I'm the type that I believe that I'm still learning. Mm. I'm still learning and I'm adjusting because like now, the older you get, uh, some things are going to be taken based on aging. And then you need to adjust. So every year is like a learning curve, you know. And it's exactly like that. I think uh, if you go watch, I watched a few times when I went back, uh, some college games. Because uh, one of my good friends, Carl Venter, is coaching now. And... You watch the games and it's like, you see players trying to do too much. And it's okay when, okay, if it goes well, it's okay. But at the professional level, you cannot try 10 times and miss seven. Yeah. You know, because in the, and one of the first things I remember, it was, it was my first training in, in IBB in 2015. Uh, this is in the Premier League. In the, and you look, First ball, he comes to me. I'm like, I'm trying to to show what I can do, you know. Mm. And first ball, he comes. I try to shield it and then get it on my left and shoot. And I lose the ball. Second time he comes, I lose the ball. And then you get your your teammates. They're like, oh, my God, we're not going to give the ball to this guy mm-hmm. because he's going to try to do that thing. He's going to lose it. And that's exactly the thing. Like many players, when they're trying to go up in in terms of level they should keep it simple they should keep it simple the chance will come i always said this you if you want to score a goal you will have your two three chances but not because you force them but yeah. because they they get to you yeah <clears throat> that that learning curve that you mentioned was there a bit of that in adjusting to different styles of play like what is 
what was the style you would say when you came over to Iceland? Because I think it's interesting that even within European countries, there's so many different styles of play. What was what was that like the learning curve to figuring out how to play Icelandic football? For me, it's been like uh, adjusting to second balls because uh, based on the the weather over there is is terrible. And like uh, for the most part of the year, that, that that's a fact. Mm. You know, you go and play a game. There's wind, there's snow, there's rain, and wind again. Yeah. And so for me, uh, the football over there is really direct. So you need to adjust. And that learning curve for me was like, because I've always been good at reading second balls and reading rebounds, but on the box. And mm. all of a sudden, I'm doing that in the middle of the field. You know, you're trying to read where the ball is going to be. Where where should I position myself to to try to make a an impact on the game? So I think it's like that. What has helped me, it's uh, where I'm from in Spain, it rains a lot as well throughout the year. So I've played a lot of games where the weather <clears throat> conditions have an effect on the game. Mm. So I... I'm kind of used to it, and I was kind of used to it at the time. But obviously, you go there and you have defenders that are two meters. And I think it's even more direct because yeah. I've always been probably the shortest in my teams. <laughs> That's a fact, and I'm and I'm like uh, one seventy five, which mm. is not that uh, that small. I don't know how how much is that in. I'm like five ten. Okay, I think I think uh, yeah. I'm like 5'10". And that's not... Like, you go to the professional level, you have a lot of players that are 5'7", 5'8". Yeah. So I'm not... And, and yeah, I said the learning curve is adjusting to direct football, which is 85 to 90% of the time. <laughs> hmm. I, have to, I have to imagine that there's, there's one story. There must be one game with... Because you mentioned how the Icelandic, Icelandic weather is, is crazy. There has to be one game that comes to mind where it was just, you were like, how are we going to play this? Like, how is this even possible for us to be able to play with this weather right now? Is there, is there one that pops into your head? Yeah, it was, uh, it was last year against the Icelandic champions at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and we went to play into the field and they have the new AstroTurf, the last generation one which it hits up from the ground. So they play outside, even in January or February, which snows, winds, it's... We went into the game, it was negative seven or eight, but it felt like negative 15. I put everything, gloves. And first thing when the game starts, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm dry, but I'm I'm going to... I'm gonna give my best. I'm, I'm, I've always do that. First thing, long ball comes. I try to bring it down with my chest, and one defender just kills me. <laughs> and I go in, and I go into a puddle of like of water, oh. and I'm like, I was, I only played uh, seventy minutes that game. Mm. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, I was hoping, like, please let. Half time comes. I need to change the clothes. I need to do something. I didn't feel my toes or my feet. It, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. I still remember it because, like, it gives me like, yeah, feels <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it was really, really cold. It's for me, it's something that is nice that they are doing that so they could play longer throughout the mm-hmm. year. But they have stadiums that are covered. Like those games in February, when there's no, they should go and play them there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I really had a really, really bad time that game. I ended up, <laughs> it's funny, I ended up scoring. I don't know how. We <laughs> lost for one. I had to say that. But it was, I don't know. It was. With a foot that you couldn't feel, one. you scored. <laughs> it, it was a header. It was my first one. In oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so 
uh, Iceland with the direct football into into the wind, I have to imagine, is the complete opposite of what you grew up playing uh, in Spain, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really much... Sorry, my mom is like... It's really much different. Like, uh, here in Spain, there's always like... Uh, okay, you have to keep the ball on the floor. Uh, you have to find and create these little triangles and try mm. to create the superiority in this side or try to drag more players to this side so we find a good player on one we one and the other. It's always this thing. You know, like, and you yeah. go to Iceland and it's like, uh, like, they're really hardworking players. It's like, okay, we have to, there's some teams that try to play, don't get me wrong. And there's some really, really good footballers there. But the majority of the teams and the style is like, it's really direct. Mm. And like I said, it's based, it's because of the weather, because of the pitches, because of the artificial grounds. So I say the biggest difference is like the thought that you give to create opportunities. And, and Iceland is not like that. And Iceland is like, okay, maybe we need to go along, win second balls. And from here, we're going to try to play. But in Spain, I remember like every, every training is like, at least 15, 20 minutes just on tactics. Mm. Like teams now have developed the warm-ups into tactic. So you're getting warm and getting ready for the core of the session, but you're doing tactics. And that's something that uh, in Iceland, they focus a bit more on the athlete, athletic park, yeah. part, sorry, and being like extremely fit and fight and everything rather than the tactic itself. I'd say mm. that's the difference. But we know it. you watch La Liga and you watch Premier League in in England, which is keeping the distance, obviously, but Iceland is more related to that. It's a lot of come and go, come and go. And and, and Spain is like it's more calm, more pause. Like we're gonna try to keep the ball as much as we can so we're fresh when the time comes. And I say that's the biggest difference. Yeah, because in in all the places that you played in, in the in the states and in, in Iceland and Spain, I have to imagine Spain is is the worst to be uh, stuck in the middle of a rondo, right? I can't I can't imagine anywhere else. <laughs> there's there's a a place where you'd want to be in something like that. No, no, no. It's it's actually funny because here in Spain we have a lot of uh, fines on the rondos. Mm-hmm. And and every time you're in the middle, like it's like okay, I'm not gonna go 150 percent because like they could make me or something. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean here every player has a really really good touch, and they've been brought up through the youth programs in a way that okay, we have to keep the ball, we have to keep the ball. If we keep the ball, they're gonna attack less. We're gonna be more fresh. Mm. And, and yeah, I it came to my mind a few times that I was in the middle of a round and I'm being like, uh, and I I struggled being in the middle of the round. I I tell you that much. <laughs> Are you, you you one of those players? Because I've played with those players before where they're in the middle for a little bit too long and then they then they start to get angry and then they're flying in with those challenges. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I. <laughs> I've always been told, especially even in my in my team now, that I'm probably one of the ones that go the less to the middle. But it's because like sometimes you just play the ball quick or like yeah, I don't know. I panic to go into the middle. That's why. And and yeah, I mean after like twenty passes when the bonus starts, like okay, I have to pay the fine money, more money this month. Then it's like okay, I'm I need to do a tackle. I need to go down. I need to go down. And, mm. <laughs> So I've done I've done a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man, we've we've all been there with a with a challenge that later we we don't feel too happy that we put that one in. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get out of the middle. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so uh, this most recent season you mentioned a little bit has been one of your most successful with IBV. And both personally and you guys, your team also won promotion back to the to the top flight. So 
what was that what was that season like was that the first time you've ever been a part of a a promotion winning team no i've been in a in my early years in spain uh, i experienced something similar obviously it's different because in spain when mostly when you go through promotion you need to play playoffs and everything mm. so it was like we didn't i mean we did well throughout the season but we got into that last spot and then you win the playoffs and then you promote but here in Iceland it's uh the top two teams they go up there's not chance for a third or fourth team <clears throat> and it was a year that we had a lot of challenges as a team because the there was a lot of uncertainty the year before we didn't manage to to get the goal of going up uh, some internal problems and covid you know as you know covid has taken a toll on many teams mm-hmm. and it was a year with a lot of uncertainty probably the year that uh, not many not even in the media they put us as favorites to go up or like we were kind of like okay we're one of the best teams we ha- because we had uh, a really really good squad in terms of players but we had kind of like a short squad but then <clears throat> we started the first two games losing which was really, really funny. And in a season when you only play 22 games, starting the first two games, losing, yeah, you're already on the back foot. And then after that, we picked it up, started winning, 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 winning. And I was lucky enough that uh, after those first two games, uh, the coach decided to put me as a number nine, a true number nine, which I've never played before until this past season and I mean I mean the numbers are there it was a really good season on the personal side I think it was 13 goals in 19 games mm. and and getting the promotion and everything and adjusting to this new position it's been going back to what we said before it's always a learning curve and for me this year when that chance came to be a number nine especially the older you get it's a position that I could adjust better in terms of being fresh and really thankful to be a part of the, of the group we had because we had, and I'm happy to say that we have probably the best group of players outside of just playing the the games. Mm. We did everything together. Everyone was nice to each other. Uh, I developed really, really good relationships with a lot of the players. Even we had Seku Kone. I don't know if you're aware of him. He's played uh, for a few teams in, in in America. And he was also a striker that came sort of to fill that number nine position that we didn't have uh, at the beginning of the season. And then you had players. I, mean, I always mention the foreigners like Telmo or, or Gonzalo, another Spanish and Portuguese player. And it's incredible what you can accomplish when the group is united like that Mm, because there was some teams that on paper in terms of roster they were better but then it came to that point like that having a good group and a healthy group allow us to turn losses into draws and draws into victory and and that was the difference was the difference and Going into the next season, obviously the goal is to to do as well as possible in the top flight. And I imagine is most of the group coming back. Do you have that same kind of core for the the club going into next year? So it's been also surprisingly a, a change in the coaching stuff. Mm-hmm. We have a new coach, which I had the pleasure to work with him in 2016. And so I, I know him and he's also from the island. He's played also in the Premier League and everything. So he's, he's experienced. Also the coach we had, uh, we were a bit shocked that uh, he, uh, he resigned. But I think in terms of the group, uh, the majority are coming back. I'd say 80, 85% of the players are coming back. Mm-hmm. Obviously you go into the top flight and that other 15% needs to be important players in terms of signings. So we still get to see the club doing those signings and strengthening the, the group. 
But at the same time, I know maybe the reason why they're taking this long because like they see that we have such a good group in the dressing room that right now their main focus is like, okay, we need to sign a good player, but most importantly, we need to sign a player that is not going to be a bad apple. Yeah. And that's been the case, especially in this club. Uh, there's been a few cases of that and affecting the team. So it's really smart what they're doing in terms of like, okay, we're not only looking how good you are with the ball, but we're also looking how you react with maybe one game you don't play or when the coach says something to you, how are you going to take it? So that's that's the main thing now why they are taking long to get these three or four players that uh, that we need. Yeah. For you as a player, do you, I guess we can can sort of end on on this last topic because I, I know I don't want to take too much up of your time but <laughs> for you do you look at you know the rest of your contract you kind of take it as just one step at a time or are there also things that you think about like oh I'd, I'd like to still do this in my playing career you know I'd like to play in Spain one day or I'd like to play in the United States or or even somewhere else or do you look at it more like all right I'm in Iceland and I'll 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 have those decisions and those conversations when that time comes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think for me right now, for me right now, it's like a matter of okay, I have a contract for I think it's fifteen more months, and and to be honest, I I've had some talks with the club to try to extend it. Uh, and I'm I'm pretty I'm happy to say it like it's no shame for me. It didn't it didn't it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So for me right now I'm just like I said I'm starting my training program. I started like a week ago. I'm going full force. I'm gonna try to give my best, and then we will see from there. Like the options to come to Spain, they are there are some opportunities that I could take on. Yeah, uh, teams in Iceland. There's gonna be, there's always gonna be options. Maybe it's not at the time now what I want, but I don't let it affect me in my preparation and going into next season. I'm gonna give my best, and that's it's always been like this. So, what the future has for Cito next, only God knows. And all I can do is keep working now. Uh, I have a contract I'm really happy with, and then what comes comes, and I'll 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 be ready for whatever challenge comes. <laughs> yeah, what are the what are the things that you look for in a new opportunity, especially now at this point in your career where you've played in some different places, you've been a part of teams that maybe you've enjoyed, or maybe there's things that you haven't enjoyed as much. It sounds to me like you know with your current club having a a good group having players that work for each other and get along on and off the pitch is something that you value, but what are some of those things that you look for when deciding, you know, if you have a lot of opportunities, what might help you make a decision? I mean, it's uh it's always based on, on a feeling. Obviously the importance of the project has a key. It's a key uh, thing in order for me to make a decision, you know, uh, I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. In terms of contract, the salary is important. Yeah. Uh, if you talk to a player, whoever says is not. But for me, it's like I I'm happy and comfortable there. But if other opportunities come, I mean, it's the nature of the game. And but obviously now at this stage of my career, I've seen that I could play as a striker. Mm-hmm. And I could have a good impact in that. So for me, it's going to be important. Okay. Could I be in that role? Uh, am I going to be like an important player to you and to let me have my period of time to adjust and, and to produce? And there's always some things that, uh, and, and you, you've been, a, you know, the game as well. You, you play the game and everything. And you know, uh, it's not, it's not only like, oh, they give me great money. I'm going to go there. No, yeah. the money is important, like I mentioned before. But you need to know that where you're going to go, you're going to be given the chance to fulfill your potential and to give your best. And when you give your best to the team, 
then the team will benefit from it. And I think, especially for me, I'm 32. It's different than younger players. If I was 24, 25, maybe I wouldn't focus on, on the money that much. Mm. Maybe I would be like, okay, am I going to go to this team? Uh, am I going to get the minutes I need to develop? If that's the case, go for it. But you need to understand that as a player, and when I say you, I mean in general, players need to know at which stage of their career they are. Yeah. And and for me, after all these years, I know what it works with me and I know the environment I need to give my best mm. and to help the team. So I always look into all that. Yeah. It's a great answer. And I appreciate your time, Cito. Thanks so much for I know we've been been messaging back and forth to try and make this work and I'm happy that we <laughs> that we got it recorded. Um it's been awesome. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for for sharing your story and keep keep pushing and training and best of luck with the upcoming preseason in January. Uh, thank you very much for for having me. I mean, it's always a pleasure to to say a bit of my of my story and adventures and yeah we've been back and forth messaging and and, and like I, I mean but when i say this like i know i've been really busy so but i'm happy that we kind of got it got it done now and and same to you best of luck in the near future and, and we gotta keep working there's no other way <laughs> yeah yeah of course i appreciate it so much and uh i'll talk to you soon my friend all right